We're going to talk a little hockey on the show, kind of circling back to that announcement about the Winter Classic. Curious how the Blues end up there. Yes, it's Chicago getting the game. Blues are a classic rival, but this is pretty notable when the Blues have been in three of the past eight Winter Classics. Also trying to nail down that date. Is it New Year's Day at Wrigley Field? Is it going to be New Year's Eve, potentially? Chris Zimmerman, the Blues CEO on the show here. The Kill Coin Conversation, talking Blues, also talking about the Royals' big announcement this afternoon, what a week for Kansas City. The Chiefs win the Super Bowl, and then the Royals say, you know, this is a good time to announce we're moving downtown. This has been talked about for a while, but the K, Kauffman Stadium, I guess it's 50-plus years old now, and the Royals want to be downtown. Sort of interesting where a lot of teams build something, and then they'll decide, okay, what can we put next to it? The Braves did that with their big build-out. Cardinals obviously did Ballpark Village. That's become a model. In fact, the Cubs have loosely said that their Wrigleyville area, their Cubsville, whatever they call it, right next to Wrigley, kind of loosely based on Ballpark Village. Well, the Royals are going to go downtown right next to the Power and Light, so it's already there. I'm sure there'll be other bars added, but and I don't know that this is not a done deal. you still got to jump through some hoops. But our buddy Joe Goldberg, who's been covering the Royals now for about 15, 16 years, lives in Kansas City. We'll talk about the Chiefs brand and how – they have become a little bit, I don't know if I'd say Patriots, but they're not as popular as they were, and some of that is just wear and tear. If you're good every year, people just get sick of it. If you're a generic football fan next year and the Chiefs are playing Buffalo, you're probably going to root for the Bills and just say, oh, I'm sick. Oh, I'm a Holmes again. Oh, they didn't do anything wrong, just did a lot of winning like Tom Brady. But I think Bill Belichick added to that. Because they had the deflate gate, they had some cheating, uh, spy gate, and Belichick was never exactly likable. So the Patriots made it easier to dislike them, even though they were great. I don't find the Chiefs all that unlikable, but I do think there is going to be some wear and tear because they're just so good so often. So we'll talk Chiefs, we'll talk Royals with Joel Goldberg. Well, they got the parade on Wednesday. I want to get our buddy Vahe Gregorian on it. He's in a whirlwind coming back from Vegas. He'll be on the show Thursday. And uh, Tom Hart from SEC Network, he should be on Wednesday's show. Valentine's Day, we should have the guy named Hart. But he's actually going to be on the uh, Thursday show. That's what's in store for the Kill Coin Conversation. Brendan Weesey and I will talk at the end of the show. I want to bring up this Valley Nugget. How about Indiana State, the trees, the sycamores, ranked for the first time since Larry Bird. Since Larry Bird in 1979, and I've been keeping a a little bit of an eye on the Valley. Brendan does a great job watching it closely. I didn't realize how dominant they've been. What are they, 11-1 in the conference, 22-3, something like that. So shout out to the Missouri Valley having a team rank. That's just great for the conference. Um, It just doesn't happen often enough is the problem, but that's great for them. Blues are playing as we speak. They're in Toronto. Blues have won five in a row on the road. Seven of their last eight overall. We've sort of done that playoff math with people like Darren Pang and Doug Armstrong said it. If you look at the West, these teams are in. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, how many spots are left? Well, one or two. And the Blues are right there right now, playing much better. If they end up being a playoff team or end up being a good team, which right now they're a good team, I got to say I didn't see it coming. I just didn't think this group was good enough. And I didn't know anything about Drew Bannister. And it may be as simple as you change coaches in the NHL, 
your fortunes will always change. Maybe it's that simple, but the Blues have been much better. Illinois take it on Michigan. Quiet week for SLU and Mizzou. Maybe that's best. Mizzou doesn't play until Saturday when they travel to Ole Miss. That's the Chris Beard team, right? The old Texas Tech coach that went to Texas. Ole Miss Saturday for Mizzou. Tigers 0-11 in the conference. Last winless season they had was in 1908. Kind of like the Cubs. Got to go back to 1908. Mizzou was in the Missouri Valley when they were winless. Even those Kim Anderson teams, the worst, they were. They had two wins. I'm not sure this Mizzou team can match a Kim Anderson win total. So Mizzou doesn't play till Saturday. You'll hear that game on KTRS. Billikens are off till Friday. And it's really a bummer because when they'd have those Friday VCU games, when they were red hot and VCU would come in, those were the best games because that got to be a bit of a rivalry, even though it's not historic. Slew VCU. So they play Friday, but it's it's obviously not the same with the Billikens being 2-9 and nine, uh, in the Atlantic 10. So we'll get to Chris Zimmerman, Joel Goldberg. That's the Kilcoin Conversation, presented as always by AAA Home Services, your independent American Standard heating and air conditioning dealer. And right now, if you're in the market for a new heating and cooling system, best rebates of the year. Get online and check them out at aaastl.com. aaastl.com or call 636-397-3200. AAA Home Services for all your home needs. Can't say it enough. You've got something broken that's plumbing related. Okay, what about electrical, appliance, heating and cooling? You're going to call like four different people. How about you call one company? AAA Home Services. They can do appliance repair, electrical repair, plumbing needs, heating, cooling, obviously. AAA is on the way. That's good news. 636-397-3200 or go online. Check out those rebates right now that are available at aaastl.com. We're going to talk hockey now. We've got Z on the line. Chris Zimmerman, the Blues CEO, uh, the uh, president of business operations, and great news. Late last week, it became official. I know the news cycle works differently. It gets reported, talked about, then it's official. But the Blues are in the Winter Classic at Wrigley Field with the Blackhawks. Chris, welcome to the show. Tell us how this all sort of comes about. How long is the process when you first get a call or hear it might be possible? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, imagine that combination, uh, Blackhawks, Blues, Wrigley Field, um, pretty, really, really special. So, yeah, we're excited. Um, how it comes about, um, you know, the league, um, it, it, each of the events tends to vary. I, I mean, quite honestly, we, we are always, if you will, in their ear, um, wanting to get our chances at these, you know, league-wide events as, as much as possible. And, uh, but, um, yeah, in the fall, um, I was told that, you know, there was a good chance or that they were hoping to bring the game back to Wrigley and we would be one of the teams to be considered to be the opponent. And um, quite honestly, um, there are a number of different voices in that decision, um, who the opponent will be. Some of it, um, some of it certainly the television interest and how they feel about a matchup. Uh, the league obviously has a voice and, and the local team and the facility had played a role as well. So, you know, all of those things, um, sort of were being evaluated. Uh, I know there were, uh, there was at least one other city that, 
at times. I felt like, geez, I'm not sure which way this is going to go, but um, we're thrilled. Um, couldn't be a more wonderful stage to get a chance to play our, our third outdoor game. It's hard to beat Blues Blackhawks, Wrigley Field. Maybe it'll be snowing, who knows. And this is the third time in the last eight times they've held this event. And you've mentioned this a bit last week, but the Blues brand, you don't end up in these games. I'm not going to name other cities and other teams, but if they don't feel you guys have a little bit of pizzazz or sizzle or drawing power, otherwise you're not in these games. That's got to make you and Tom feel good about the, the state of the brand. Yeah, there's no question. Um, uh, obviously, the All-Star Game, most importantly, winning the Cup, um, but certainly being chosen for, you know, this now our third um, winter, winter Classic, not just outdoor game, but Winter Classic, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a very special place to be. We don't take that for granted. I think you know, we, we've worked hard to build both our local, national, and in some ways our global brand. And, um, you know, we, we have a great track record in terms of what we, our television audiences, our fans travel as well as anybody in the league. You know, all of those things come together. And, um, but it, it's, a, it's a great vote of confidence. And, you know, we're, we're proud, and the other side of it, these games are they're a hell of a lot of fun for everybody in the organization. And I love the nugget that Colton Pareko, and he'll be the only one to play in all three. He's the only one who's played in both, which I, I was not aware of that. Um, we also have a topic we threw around last week. Do you think they could bring back the alumni game? It was so popular at Bush Stadium with their old-time players, Blues old-timers, and just huge names on the ice. I guess it went away during the pandemic. Have you heard anything about that, or do you have a, an opinion on that? Well, certainly the the alumni game that was played here, I'm not positive, but probably the most well-attended alumni game of anyone that was held. Um, so... Um, my opinion and my interest is extremely high. Um, obviously, the Blues alumni are, is as strong an entity as there is really across the whole league. And so would I like to see it come back? Yes. Has there? I have not had that discussion. Um, certainly will. Um, you know, I think in a lot of the other cities, I'll be honest with you, I think it's just, Putting on two events outdoors within two days, um, you know, you have um, facilities that that haven't executed this. You could say, well, one can be your practice day. Um, Wrigley has executed one. It was 2009. Actually, even Wrigley Field has changed quite a bit since then. So not clear on whether that will or won't happen. There's going to be what is it, April 5th, there's going to be a great uh, NHL alumni game um, out at Centene Community Ice Center. So I I highly recommend people look into that. Um, um, part of it is raising funds for cancer research, and uh, um, not surprisingly, as he's so often done, Kelly, Kelly Chase is 
right out in front helping helping lead that effort. Well, that's outstanding. April 5th, good to know. If your fans can't get enough of uh, those type of events. And you're right, I think in some markets it might fall a little flat, but, boy, when it's Hawks and Blues, you trot out some. And even more recent alums, like imagine David Back is hitting Seabrook or something. It'd be fun. Uh, how about the date itself, Chris? Is it for sure January 1st? I heard it might be New Year's Eve. Do you know when they would nail that down? Well, I expect them to nail it down soon but 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 they haven't yet um i think again now we're definitely into television land and right. <laughs> and people will assessing you know how you how you counter program against you know the different football games that are going on the college football playoffs so um don't know yet on which day um We'll be ready whichever day they put us out there. We're in television land. I like that. Uh, the Blues CEO, Chris Zimmerman, is with us. And right now the team trending up, to say the least, winning seven of eight, five straight on the road. And, you know, part of your younger core is Jake Neighbors. People forget this kid's 21. He's 21, tied for the lead with the team lead for goals scored. And I also think your fan base kind of likes – they like the scores, but they like a guy who might throw a punch or would certainly will stick up for a teammate. I think Jake Neighbors, you got a lot of young guys coming along, but I feel like he's maybe taking the biggest step this year. Well, he's taking a huge step. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, he's really – he's the kind of guy that, that has – plays a very well-rounded game, 200-foot, you know, yeah, not not afraid to – Throw a punch when when needed. Um, yeah, I, I mean we we hope for every everybody on our squad to to outperform maybe some of the expectations. He's certainly he's doing fantastic, and I mean I think you know we obviously I don't know and we can all debate this. We're we're playing great. We're we're certainly there's certainly transition in our club. You have to you go back to last year and. Um, you know, loading up with three first round picks and, um, really having, having a prospect pool that is by far the best, um, since, since I've been here now for the last decade. Um, there's, there's a lot to be excited about, about what, um, not just what's happening with this team, the way guys like, um, Jake Neighbors are, are emerging and other guys stepping up, but also, um, the youth and and what's happening as uh, you know we have guys in the system developing. Yeah, and just seeing like a Jimmy Snuggerud among many, but just seeing him at the World Junior, so many prospects that were Blues players playing at an elite level uh, internationally. Uh, how about within the building? You are you know in your title it says business. How important is it to make the playoffs? Because if you miss it two years in a row, you're still going back to your fans and saying, "Hey, believe in us or stick with us." How much does it change your job if you're able to say, "Yes, we were in fact a playoff team"? Well, as you know, it, uh, our expectations to be there every year. Um, we've been fortunate with this ownership group. Whether we're playing one round, two rounds, three rounds, four rounds, or not making it, we're, we're making we're investing every dollar back into the team. We're spending to the cap. So is it important for the business? Of course. I think, I think there used to be sort of this view that, well, the Blues are in trouble or whatever if they didn't make the playoffs. And obviously there weren't a lot of those years. But um, 
no, we've we've stabilized our business. The support that we've gotten is outstanding, and you know, our guys are just showing up every day, you know, trying to win now, as well as all the work that's going on around us, uh, you know, to build the future. And and I think I think our fans have shown their understanding and and their commitment. And um, is it easier? When we're, when we're playing lots of playoff games or easier when we're winning seven out of eight, yeah, it's a little bit easier. But, you know, you have to, we come to work every day just knowing that we gotta, we gotta do our job and we gotta serve our, our fans no matter what's happening on the ice. Are you able to quantify since winning the cup, like how many, I don't know if it's new fans, but people that just got swept up and thought, oh, this is fun, or maybe kind of liked hockey but didn't know a lot about it. Is there any way to quantify what a cup run can do for a a fan base and how many you can kind of add on? I don't know if it's from season ticket standpoint, but is there any research on that? Well, I think I I probably don't have a a firm number that I I throw out and commit, but I can tell you that, that, um, you know, People who are who are identifying their the Blues as you know their team, um, you know across North America, uh, I'd say it's probably tripled um, over the last decade. So um, let's just say all of these things that are happening, both locally and, and beyond, are are growing people who are who are really committed to to the blues and so you know those the national exposure um you know the type of players we have their involvement in the community all of those things add up to to sort of define this organization and uh, you know we're really really proud of what we've been able to do and guess what <laughs> we got a lot, a lot of work ahead of us we've got the uncertainty um of what happens with regional television um yeah it's a pretty dynamic um environment that we continue to live in and you know we're we're in a business that's all about competing so we love it and, and guys like me always throw it out there hey cardinals blues just get together start your own channel and then i'll say it to billy dewitt and he's like well it's not that easy what 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 are your conversations like right now and and where do you see it i know we've asked Bill DeWitt, the same thing, but where do you see it headed in terms of blues on TV? Um, if I pretended to actually know the answer to that, um, you would definitely, well, somebody would call me out because there's so much um, uncertainty, quite honestly, now. And it, it only, uncertainty only grew, um, what was it, maybe two to three weeks ago um, when Amazon came into play. So, um, if we had this conversation 30 days ago, I would have said, well, pretty clear that the current entity, um, that after the baseball season, that will be their final year. I think Bill would have, would have said the same thing. Now, now there's more uncertainty. There, there, there is, well, they've stated publicly that they believe they have a going concern um, and that Amazon would likely be part of that equation. But there there are so many different uh, dynamics, so many things that can happen. There's a, a court hearing March 22nd, 
which is uh, part of the bankruptcy process. Um, yeah, we'd need hours um, to talk <laughs> through all the possible ways this thing can go, which, as you can imagine, is, is a, it's a demanding and challenging thing on, on our team here. But we do have to be um, sort of preparing for a lot of different outcomes. And, um, yeah, I think Bill's comment that, well, it's not that easy for us just to step aside. We actually both have agreements with an entity that actually isn't even part of the bankruptcy filing. So um, lots of nuance. And, um, yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, it is really convoluted. You go, well, what's Diamond? Well, what's Bally's? And it does get, you get really lost in the weeds. I'll finish with this thought. Another one that's unsettled, and I know it gets you riled up, but is there a short answer as to why we don't have legalized sports gambling in Missouri? I know you've worked hard at it, and the Cardinals have. And now if your fans want to gamble, they go over to Illinois to do it. Is there a short answer as to why it it never seems to get through the legislature? My short answer would be that um, that the Missouri legislature can be a very difficult place to get stuff done, and, and you've seen it in many different cases. Um, we were thrilled um, that we ultimately got the support um, to help fund some of the renovations here, but it took six years. And, you know, the way... The Senate is set up. One person that believes in a different point of view or is trying to um, support a, another agenda can hold things up, and, and that's that's what's been happening for a number of years. And, um, so with that, we hope to um, take it to the voters with a ballot initiative. And, and if something frees up and we get it passed uh, in May, by May, great. But if not, our goal is um, to let the citizens of Missouri, let them make the call. And um, we feel really good about that. And if that fails, I say we send a bunch of angry Blues fans in their jerseys down to the Capitol just banging on the door. That, that'll get something done. Uh, Chris, thanks for your time. Congrats on the Winter Classic. Can't wait. What a spectacle that's going to be. And uh, continued success, hopefully, for the team on the ice. We'll be talking some playoff hockey, hopefully, here in about two months. Chris, thanks so much. I love it. Thanks so much, Martin. Have a good day. On the line now, Mr. Kansas City, Joel Goldberg. We are going to talk some Royals. We're going to talk about the stadium announcement, which happened earlier this afternoon. But we got to start with the Chiefs. In the time you were there, Joel, did you ever see this coming where the Chiefs wouldn't just be really good? They're like the most marketable team in the NFL. They're, they're the new Patriots. Yeah, you know what I never saw was, I mean, I, I'm not – surprised at the success because I do think that Mahomes is a a once-in-a-generation quarterback, and when you add in a a once-in-a-generation head coach in Andy Reid, and then, you know, once-in-a-generation tight end, just start there, and I'm talking about a team that really won, I believe, because of their defense. So I don't, you know, if you were to have told me a few years back that they would win more titles, I think I'd believe it. What I didn't compute and it's a really it's it's it kind of messes with the mind a little bit, is I think that we've all been wired to hate the Patriots unless we're from New England, right? And now I'm watching a lot of the country put the Swifties aside. Most football fans around the country 
not rooting for the Chiefs, and suddenly they're the bad guys. Mahomes has talked about embracing sort of that new role. I never thought they'll be the Patriots, and it almost doesn't make me dislike the Patriots anymore, but it kind of makes me realize we all disliked them just because they were good. And, yes, there was Deplategate and all that, but we really just disliked them because they were good. But they've got their Tom Brady, or at least the closest thing to it. There's still work to be done. They've got their Bill Belichick with maybe a better personality, and they've got the greatest tight end of all time. Well, I do think that's one distinction. I think Belichick was just largely unlikable, and maybe it's because he was holding right. back. Maybe he has this. Our buddy Larusso always says, "Yeah, he's a real funny guy." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't see it." But yeah, maybe... Larusso is really Larusso is really funny too. Right? <laughs> so I'm like, maybe there's more there. But Bill wasn't exactly warm and fuzzy. Then they had the scandal. But I do think the Chiefs are going through way more successful. But when the Cardinals were really good, like 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, they just kept going to the NLCS. I think the country was sick of turning on October baseball and seeing the Cardinals. And you guys are probably dealing with that a little bit. I just find Mahomes eminently likable. I'm not like a Chiefs fan, but I'm happy for you. I'm happy for my niece, Emma. Anybody over there that loves the Chiefs, I'm happy you guys are having fun. I don't root for him, but I, I can't imagine anyone saying Mahomes isn't likable. That, I don't get that. I don't think so, but I think what happened is there were some stretches this year, and I kept saying it, and I, look, I'm just an outside observer that has the perspective of having been in sports as long as you and I have, that we tend to view things without as much emotion and without as, you know, we, we, we tend to view things just a little bit more analytically and a little bit more rationally. You're not supposed to be rational as a sports fan, and so – I just kept thinking all year long, these guys aren't really that good. Uh, they're, they're, something's wrong. They're, they're, they're going to get in the playoffs. They're not going to go far unless they can figure out how to fix it. And they kept saying, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. It's like, okay, well, I'm not seeing anything yet. So I, I kept saying that this, this could be the year that things fall apart, but the caveat was if they put it together – they're going to end up being really dangerous. And it all happened in the playoffs. And it really all happened to me going to Buffalo and going to Baltimore, beating Miami at home in a game. Everybody said, well, it's Miami's not used to that cold. Well, neither were the chiefs. I mean, they were playing in temperatures that, that rivaled what you and I worked in, in our first jobs or your second job in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. It was, you know, wind chill 20, 30 below that doesn't happen in Kansas city, St. Louis, and not even in green Bay too often. So I, I didn't take a whole lot from that and the Dolphins team that wasn't playing well. But to go to Buffalo and win on the road uh, and, and, and handle Josh Allen, to be able to handle Lamar Jackson, I, I would actually say the Super Bowl was the first time in probably six weeks. And I watch it, them every week now. I mean, I've adopted them as my team, and it's so much fun. But Super Bowl was actually the first time where I felt like they were going to win. I wasn't so sure in the previous games. Susan and I went to the Christmas day game against the Raiders. They got booed at home and they deserved it. They were terrible. But to, to your point on Mahomes, I think a couple things And that, that Raiders game on Christmas day was one of them. There, there started being, we saw it a little bit in the Super Bowl with Kelsey too, started being some frustration, some bad body language. And Mahomes, he had a little bit of a look of a, you know, like the kid that's always gotten everything he wanted, not going his way. And so I think that turned some people off a little bit, but he is a great guy. He's unbelievable in this community. And I, I, I just think that in the end, when smaller market teams that, you know, aren't going to get kind of the anti-big city coast and all that, people want to root for 
if you want to call it a Cinderella or whatever, until it's not a Cinderella anymore. It's exactly what you're saying. You can be in a small market, but people get sick of it. And to add to that, Martin, if you're a, these are all national broadcasts. If you're the other team and, and, and you're watching your team play against the Chiefs and every other commercial is Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey, like, you know, let's pour salt into the wounds here. And even the Taylor Swift thing to me is is great for the Midwest because New York, L.A., there's your glitz, there's your glamour, there are all your celebrities. Every game that's in New York, L.A., you got to cut to the sidelines, especially in basketball. And, ooh, what stars are here? And then the biggest star, arguably one of them on the planet, falls in love with a guy on the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I just think it's hooray for the Midwest, I would say. so I think that's part of it. I mean, people have talked about this ad nauseum. Um, I actually think it's an interesting discussion because it, it tells a lot about ourselves, like from the start. And I, I'm not a fan of her music. I don't dislike it. I don't. Uh, I'll be very proud to say that my my daughter, who would seem to be a Swifty, liked Travis Kelsey before she was a Swifty, and now she loves her because of him. But like, not to get too you know overly romanticized between you know two longtime buddies here, Martin, but. Like, who roots against love? Uh, you know, and, and then it's, they're showing her too much. More than they showed, you know, Jack at Lakers games, more than, Jerry you know, Jones. My complaint is I don't want to see I, I, Jerry Jones' crinkled, wrinkled ass on know. the TV. <laughs> well, except for when he looks like he's suffering, but I'm in. Right. You know, well, that's, I, okay, you're right. I'm, I am going to amend it to like, when Jones is, is in despair. Yeah, that's okay. Right. right. But, like, the, the, uh, some of, like, the political conspiracy stuff that's just batch but you know crazy and that's fine we live in that world of conspiracy theories and politics i wish politics would be out of everything put that aside that stuff's just crazy nobody's throwing anything but now i get why you might be annoyed with it because oh my gosh this team already has everything and now you get her and and by the way for people that are our age martin and, and you know you've got younger people in the house she she's not She's bigger than the NFL. She's bigger, you could argue, than Michael Jordan. She has worldwide appeal everywhere for people that – I mean, people started watching the NFL this year and became Chiefs fans this year. I've got a friend that I went to high school with. She's a year older than me. That The joke was always she knows nothing about sports and doesn't care about it unless it's figure skating. And she was regularly messaging me. She lives in New York. Uh, we're watching the Chiefs. I'm like, are, are you okay? Is everything all right? So it's been weird, and you're right. Like, hooray for the Midwest, because this stuff doesn't happen here. It happens on the coast. And just to, to wrap this thought up, Kansas City's like St. Louis. It's small. You know, it's a big, small town, small, big town, whatever you want to call it. You know, he, he, he lives three miles down the road from me. People are going to the Trader Joe's right by his house just hoping to get a glimpse that I haven't done that. I go there when I need my shopping. But when, when articles have been written, you know, uh, was it page, what is it, page one or whatever, the, the tabloid thing in New York is in the Post. They wrote all these details about this restaurant that they were hanging out with, with the friends and the Mahomes and this and that in the private room. And I'm like, not only do I go there for, you know, dinner or for a happy hour, I'm friends with the owner. Like, that that's. That doesn't happen in a New York or in L.A. It is just it's a phenomenon and it's it's fun to sort of just observe it when he's not talking love or Swifties. He's covering the Kansas City Royals for we're getting close to two decades. Joel Goldberg, Bally Sports Midwest Royals host 
reporter and news of the day the royals announcing and this has been talked about for a long time but finally unveiling their plans we all love renderings uh walk folks through it we've had your buddy frank bull on the show a little bit and it was kind of back and forth but it sounds like the royals are moving ahead and this will be i don't want to say downtown proper but the folks who are loosely familiar tell them where this will be no this is downtown and um assuming that everything goes the direction that has been reported and and um um, you know, I, I think they're all set to go here now. They're going to have to pass uh, a vote in April, which is essentially, well, it's just an extension of a tax that's been there forever. So it's an extension of that. But if you've been to downtown Kansas City and you've hung out by the Power and Light or the what was once called the Sprint Center when I got here, now the T-Mobile Center, it, it's just across the street from there. So, you know, they, they believe, and, and you and I have talked about this before, and when you come into town, this this downtown here in Kansas City is thriving compared to when I moved here. And they've really, really made it a place for young people and people to hang out. And certainly when, you know, things like the when the Big 12 tournament is here, there's not a better event in Kansas City. It's just four to five days of, you know, fun atmosphere and partying. And, and when you look at any shot, they, they, I think I saw Scott Van Pelt giving it a shout out the other night. When something's going on in Kansas City, everybody's at the power and light. We did our post-game shows during the playoff runs in 14 and 15 there and you know Rex Hudler and I doing post-game show the when the Royals won the World Series in New York and we got 10,000 people screaming and yelling behind us every World Cup game so it's just right in that neighborhood just a couple blocks down and you know having traveled the country and been to every stadium there's there's something fun about downtown baseball and the thought of that being here in Kansas City um, in I would imagine four years or something like that is, is really appealing. So they wouldn't even have to build their version of Ballpark Village. In a sense, it's already there, right? It's next door. Yeah, I mean, and there'll I mean, be other things added, but as as far as the central pub location, it's yeah. already pre-built. They've got a lot there, and it just keeps – but it also extends – potentially extends that out and allows it to grow even more. It It is um, – you know, the press conference today will involve the um, – you know, the, the president of the Kansas City Sports Commission, the Frank Viverito, Mark Schreiber, if you will, uh, Kathy Nelson, who, who's been on an incredible run with World Cup and Super Bowl Parade and, and on and on. And then Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. This isn't in the 18th and Vine District where the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum is, but it, it kind of gets, I mean, it gets the stadium closer. It potentially links everything closer. So I think it opens up a lot more opportunities. You're right. The other option that they were looking at there were a couple options but the other option they were looking at downtown was a little bit more on the east edge of of downtown and that was going to probably be more of a we need to build all these other things around it and so you're right i think a lot of this will be built i i suspect they have a lot of work to do because the 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 challenge in this is that you have people already there and so you got to figure out how you're going to how you're going to move some people and i don't know if there's eminent domain or any, any of that i know you and i don't get into too much of the politics and, and, and that world. But I think that, that there's a lot of infrastructure there. They're going to need to build a lot more and make it work. But, you know, they're not going into this blindly. They, they know what they need to do. What's the public appetite amongst Royals fans? Do they want to leave the K? Are they disappointed or is it split? What do you sense from the fan base? Because that's a pretty iconic stadium that they're playing in already. It is. I, I think that this is going to match up with what most fan bases, at least, 
you know, long-term fan bases. And this is a long-term fan base, not in the way that St. Louis is, but, you know, they've, they've had the Kansas City Royals here since the 60s and, and before that the Kansas City Athletics. And, you know, they did play in the city in, in, uh, at Municipal until or through 1972. Kauffman Stadium opened in 73. I, I think to me, from what I hear, the polling suggests that people are for it. When you talk to friends, and we all, you know, most people we know are like this, you get a lot of, why would they do that? I love Kauffman Stadium. I, change is hard. Like, we just built the most amazing airport that you could imagine. And anyone that's listening, if you've ever been through Kansas City's airport, it's not a fun experience. It's now really good. And people were pushing back on that. I, I just want the old one. It's a quicker walk to my car. I don't have to park as far. And it's like, People get comfortable with the routine and what works for them. So I think change is always hard. So a lot of the people that I talk to, and this will be more older, you hear that. What do we need a new stadium for? Kauffman Stadium is one of the most beautiful stadiums. I don't need to be downtown and all of this. I think for the most part, when you talk to the younger generation, they're like, yes, sign me up. I love the idea of, of being able to, to, to get some food or a drink or whatever it is and hang out before the game and, and then go do something afterwards instead of just hanging out in a big parking lot. So I, I, my sense is that it skews really well younger, and it may skew better than it looks with the older generation. But as you know, you don't hear as many people or see as many people going on social media to say, yeah, let's do this. You hear a lot of the complaints and the negativity that comes with social media. But I, I think they feel really good about the, the chances of this happening. Do you think any of this, the move downtown, leaving the K, is any of it done in conversation with the Chiefs? Because obviously, Coffin's right next door. That could yeah. open the door for them to do their own development, do more with Arrowhead, especially now as hot as the brand is. Do you think that's? Do you think the Chiefs ultimately eye that space and, and what they can do with it? Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do, but they, they've been – They've been linked together the whole time, sharing the Truman Sports Complex. So this is not, um, from everything that, that I'm told, this has never been a, hey, we're going to do this and you're, you're, you're on the outs here or we're not sharing with you what we're doing. This has been a joint effort for the most part, while they may be going in different directions. And I don't know what the Chiefs will do. I mean, there's been talk about they could go over to the Kansas side and there, there's plenty of space out by where soccer is. Uh, where, where they could build anything and everything they want. They'll also have this whole area um, to themselves. And so I think that, you know, that Chiefs brand is a little bit more like that Packers brand. I think they could do whatever they want, and whatever they do will be really good. But I think in the end, both of them will, 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 will kind of do their own thing, and both will end up being better better for it. So I, you know, I, I don't know where the Chiefs will end up, but – they're going to get as much out of this as, as the Royals do. Uh, we also noticed the Royals spending money. Bobby Wood Jr., I'm old enough to remember his dad. He actually, Dave Job, our buddy, sports producer extraordinaire Dave Job, said, I think he pitched for the Cardinals, Bobby Wood. I had to look it up. I think he did in like 97, 98. But uh, what does that move mean for the Royals? Are they going to be spending more money in general, or is it just specific to him? Well, they already, and this one wouldn't have captured as much of the headlines as Bobby Wood Jr., but they already were one of the biggest spenders this offseason. The Dodgers obviously blow everybody away by just signing one guy. But they went out there and and spent over $100 million in free agency this offseason, including the the guy that has already said that um, that he will prefer working with me over Jim Hayes. No, he didn't say that, but Michael Walker. <laughs> so 
we get Michael Walker in here, which is actually really cool. And I talked to him at our Royals Rally Fan Fest event a couple of weeks ago, and, and I was there for his big league debut, which came against the Royals in a game that went till 3.14 in the morning. Watched him almost throw a no-hitter against the Royals for the Padres last year. So they spent big money on Michael Walker and Seth Lugo, both of whom were in the Padres rotation last year. They went out and they signed Hunter Renfro. Those are their three bigger signings. They added a few more pieces, some veteran pieces like Adam Frazier and, and Garrett Hampson, traded for a couple of bullpen pieces, and traded for Kyle Wright, who will be out all year with shoulder uh, after shoulder surgery, but he won 21 games a couple years ago for the Braves. So they spent all this money first, and I think, Martin, none of this is a coincidence, uh, whether they'll admit it to this way or not. You know, this ownership group, which is going into year four, could very easily have said you know what we lost 106 games last year it's not quite time to spend all this money um we need to keep building and building and building but i think one tough to sell a stadium and i believe the stadium is the right the right move i think it's time for downtown baseball i felt that way for a lot of years it's tough to sell that when you just lost 106 games it's tough to sell that when people are saying boy we'd love to come watch them but they're not doing anything so that was one piece that helped with the timing the, the the 106 losses was not expected last year. I don't think anybody expected them to win the division, but they expected to be better. They had a team full of young guys, including Bobby Wood Jr., that most of them, not Bobby, were, were kind of all failing in their first and second years all at the same time. So they went out there, they got all those reinforcements, they signed all that. So one, yes, you're trying to sell a fan base in a stadium, but two, and I heard this last year into the offseason, that they very much had interest in signing Bobby Wood Jr. to a long-term deal, and that it wasn't so much the number and the money, which was going to be significant, and it was. It was that he's not going to commit to being here long-term if he doesn't feel like they're committed to winning. And so they weren't just trying to impress a fan base. They were trying to impress the, the future of this team, the, the, the face of this franchise. And just to put this in perspective, too, we see a lot of young guys getting these crazy contracts now before they do anything. He's already done it for two years. I mean, how, how do you, on a 106-loss team, still manage to end up with 30 home runs and 49 stolen bases and finish eighth in the American League MVP voting as a 23-year-old on the worst team in baseball? He, he has I think people feel like he has the most talent that they've seen here in a player all around talent since Carlos Beltran, a young Carlos Beltran. And he's the real deal. And he's 23. And there's some days I'm like, gosh, these kids are so young, but he's also like 23 going on 32 in terms of maturity, in terms of just growing up in the game. This is, um, I think when all is said and done, they'll end up looking back saying they got him for a bargain. Um, He's just different than, I think he's probably the most talented player that I have seen break into the big league since Albert Pujols. I'm not saying he's going to become Pujols. He's more like a Mike Trout in terms of the skill set, a young Mike Trout that had the power and the elite speed. What a news cycle in Kansas City. The Bobby Witt Witt deal was, what, a week or so ago. Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Royals announce plans for a new downtown stadium. And, oh, by the way, the parade – on Great Wednesday, tomorrow. Joel Goldberg, longtime, uh, I was going to say friend of the show, friend of mine, Bally Sports Midwest, Royals coverage. I think people can get Royals coverage. If you have cable in St. Louis, you can probably find and follow along. But, Joel, thanks for hopping on. 
All right. Thanks, Martin. Checking in with Brendan Weese here, wrapping up the show as we always do. Interesting thoughts here, not just with the gambling, legalized gambling, a lot of frustrated. Uh, I know some people, Brent. I don't know if you know anybody that might just hop in their car and go to Illinois to place a bet. Somebody I, I might know. I've, I've heard I do that. People have to do it's not, I don't, it's not a long drive. I don't get it. And I know Chris Zimmerman would probably do an hour just on that, the fact they can't get it done. It's money on the table. I he didn't say it. I just want. Is it a religious thing? Like down there, some of the real conservative politicians don't think it's right. I, I've heard I there's a lobbying was, with the video gambling. Yeah. Is a lobby group that's strong and they're somehow tied to those video gaming machines that are in all of those gas stations and bars and restaurants. And for a while, I'm like, what are people talking about? Then I finally started to see some, and the one, a couple were just in middle Missouri off back roads that you wind up in a gas station. It's like, oh, here's a back room with seven slot machines, (laughs) okay? And that's just viewed as normal, but unless unless there's some sort of legislation or some sort of resolution there, it's holding back. But why Sports gambling, and well, I don't why, know why. I don't why know can't why. you have I both? Like, what? Yeah, I, I don't think, and I'll just, I don't, I don't think the the sixty year old guy in his trucker's hat playing, you know, triple cherry slot machines is going to care whether you bet on the Blues or not or the Cardinals. Like, I don't get how they, like, they're going to lose money. I understand what a lobbying group they're protecting their own interest, but I don't think that these are overlapping interests. Well, and, and also because if if it is indeed the casinos that are saying. We can't do sports gambling until you figure out these machines. In, in a way, it, if you're if you're the casinos, you're almost you're almost harming yourself because clearly that money that revenue that generates from the sports gambling that's going to boost the casinos. But I guess they feel like this is their only leverage to get rid of those machines. So here we are, and we're just spinning around and round, and it does not look like a resolution is anywhere close to happening here in Missouri. Can you imagine the local casinos with football Sunday. How many, oh I'll gosh. say guys, I'm sure some girls would do it, but just young guys would just spill into the casinos, drinking all day, spending money all day. I mean, it, it would be a windfall for sure if it became legalized. So that could be short-sighted. You're right, if they're behind some of those measures trying to squeeze out the the – local gas station with a video game and we know that in the the, the, again the local sports teams can you imagine a local or or a sports book down at ballpark village and and additional revenue coming through downtown now i also am not sure if those sports books could exist at the actual ballparks because as we know in missouri of course casinos have to be attached to, a to river. some sort of so body you of water. Run like a large pipe down to the yeah. Mississippi. Oh, there it is. Yeah. It's yeah. connected, isn't it? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, you were down at soccer. We're getting close. We're a week away from the return of City SC. It is crazy how quickly it comes back around, but I'm glad. I'm ready for it. Um, and I think there's a little intrigue about some of the newer pieces, and I think the league will be intrigued. Where do they pick up where they left off? Because they're going to hear it again, I think, well, that was cute. That was a fluke. They heard it all early last season, sustained it, won the West, but I feel like that's going to be back out there again. All right, now let's see what you got. I, I'm not I'm not saying this is necessarily you, but I had talked to Coach, and you'll hear it coming up on uh, Soccer in the Lou, 8 o'clock hour, and I made the comparison this group to last year. I can tell you right now, Coach has done even – even intimating or comparing anything to last year. So 
I've got to move along from that line of questioning. The table has uh, moved on. The table's now zero. (laughs) Exactly right. But I'm still interested because, again, the team did not deliver in in the tournament setting, which... Was understandable because they were going for those that that NF uh, the MLS high water mark in the regular season, but with such a quick exit from the playoffs, this gives you a little window starting in the Champions Cup. How do they perform again in a tournament setting where it's not single elimination, but it could be you know pretty quick. They could get bounced from that pretty quick if they don't take care of business against Houston. I want to see them make a bit of a run in this just to show some form in the type of format they'll need to excel at come October and November when the when the playoffs begin. And, and that's the ultimate cup you want to win. But at least factoring into this Champions Cup, I do think matters. I like a testy Bradley Carnell. All right. No I like doubt. No moving, doubt. moving forward. And Cardinals in Jupiter, pitchers and catchers reporting. I know that's sort of a... A fun phrase for folks in St. Louis. It's probably a bit overdone, but I'm just glad that baseball is back. I'm ready for that conversation to begin. Whether they're good or bad or in between, I'm ready to talk about it. No doubt about it. it it's it's the lifeblood of, of, of our sports scene for the next several months. And yeah, I hope they're good. I hope they factor into it. They don't they don't have to go out and win a World Series, but they they need to be better than last year because we got to about August and there wasn't much to talk about oh. with that team, which is so rare. I think they'll be they'll be better. I mean, they're not going to be as bad as they were. I don't think they'll be bad. I don't think they'll be great. But I think there's enough pieces there, even with the shortage in pitching, which is their own fault. We've all said it again. We've all raised our hand and said, are you sure about this Lance Lynn idea? Are you sure that Matt's is a starting pitcher? Are you sure you have enough behind those guys? I think all those questions are very valid. Lineup-wise, it feels like there's a lot of pieces there. They could have big years, and maybe that's just who they're going to have to be. Maybe they're going to have to out-hit people. If, they're, if their pitching is just league average, I think the offense could be one of the best in the National League. They've got balance. They've got power. They've got some speed. They're relatively young. I'm really excited about the bats. If the pitchers can just hold their own, maybe we've got something. All right, you mentioned that we've got soccer in the loo a little bit later. How about uh, before that? Ben Fred coming up with me here in just a little bit. Interesting we'll column ben. He's got from a great Ben, column yeah, up. about yeah. this Mizzou basketball. And I know we're the home of the Tigers, but... You can't just, and I think this is Ben's thought here, and we've sort of talked about it loosely, but you can't just take a historically bad season and pretend it didn't happen because you've got a good recruiting class. You can't just dismiss it. When you start talking about it, and I I keep bringing up these numbers because one day I actually looked them all up, Kim Anderson went 2-16 twice maybe or 2-14, whatever. and maybe won three games one time. I mean, those were such brutal, awful awful seasons that you're actually going to outdo that with a guy who was in the NCAA tournament last year in a in a landscape now where you can reload on the fly right it's hard to believe that's possible which gives you hope that next year you can flip it really quick if you find the right pieces but if it also tells you if they stall out again next year the the patient's the patience will grow very, very thin because you should have the ability to rebuild this thing really quick and be back in the mix next season. Another another performance anywhere close to, the, to this will be unacceptable a year from now. All right, Big Sports Show is on deck Wednesday, the Kilcoin Conversation. It's a Wednesday with Walt. Big Walt, hopefully he's not golfing or at the drive-thru <laughs> or getting his dry cleaning, but we haven't talked to Keith in a while. 
Keith Kachuk on the show, along with Jeff Jackson, the commissioner at the Missouri Valley, mentioned it at the outset, and Brendan does a great job with all the Valley coverage, but kind of fun to see a Valley team ranked. Indiana State, number 23 in the country, first time since Larry Bird. That's coming up on Wednesday at 6.